Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we turn to your word now. We want to hear you. We ask that all that transpires will result in your glory and your honor and the furtherance of your kingdom. Please speak through me. Holy Spirit, please use these words, use the times, use the thoughts that go through our head for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. As you know, uh, we've been doing a series based on the information that we have on the Ephesian church in the scriptures. And the, the goal is of learning from these brothers and sisters in the faith. Next Sunday, we um, will be looking at uh, Paul's visit with the elders of the church of Ephesus who met him on the shores of Miletus. It's a few days journey from Ephesus. And it's a very emotional meeting. And we'll be looking at that next week. After, after that, we... Um, We'll go through the book of Ephesians with a focus on learning from the brothers and sisters in Ephesus, who, as we've seen, started out really strong, so much so that they, they changed the economics of one of the major cities of that time, and yet they appeared not to finish so well. At the beginning of the series, we looked at the letter that Jesus wrote them in the Revelation, and, and they were kind of in dire straits. And this is only 40 years later because they had forgotten their first love. They'd forgotten Jesus. So they started strong and didn't go. And we want to learn from them. Today, however, we will be departing from the Ephesians series and be looking at a term in the name of Jesus and how it relates to our prayers. So with that, today's scriptures are... John 14, 12 to 4, and John 7, 16 to 18. And I'll read them in that order. So John 14, 12 to 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus is speaking, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now if you'll turn to John 7, 16 to 18. So Jesus answered them, and he said, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there is no falsehood. So is the reading of the word. Which one of us have not heard that there is power in the name of Jesus? We've all heard that. We sing songs that way. Our Lord's name 
is important. And when we say that we are doing or praying in the name of Jesus, it matters. But there's a problem. We who are believers in the Son of God who rose from the grave have a bit of a challenge on our hands when it comes to the name of the one we call Lord. You see, the name we are using was not really his name. Nobody during his time on earth or until about 1400 years later called him Jesus. Our Lord's actual given name in the Hebrew was Yeshua. When Yeshua is translated to English, it is Joshua. But since the New Testament was written in Greek, that confuses things even more. Isus, which is spelled I-E-S-O-U-S, in the, in the, is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Yeshua. And Isus, translated to modern English, is Jesus. But that's not the end of it. The English language J did not come around until about 1,400 years after Christ's death and resurrection. Prior to that, the Western church used Latin and still no J, still no Jesus. So when you are referring to our Lord's name, what name are we talking about? Is it Yeshua, Joshua, Isus, Jesus? Or there's many other words in other languages like Yeshu, Jeshu, Ihu. Or what about Mighty Redeemer, Lamb of God, King of Kings, Messiah? No matter which word or title I use to reference our Lord, you would know of who I, who I mean. I, I don't mean one of the false Jesuses of the modern-day heretics who view him as a vending machine to get wealthy. I don't mean one of the made-up Jesuses of the liberal theologians. And I don't mean some baseball player named Jesus. When I say Jesus, you know who I mean. And that is, I mean the one at whose name every knee will bow. The actual word being used is not the issue. The person, the person being referenced is. In fact, there is really no power in the name or the word Jesus. There is absolute power in the Son of God incarnate and all that he is and did and represents. That's what's meant by the name. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we also are not affixing some kind of stamp to our prayers or so our prayers get to God or, or to somehow make our prayers more credible. In the name of Jesus is, is actually a very big deal. So when we say it or when we pray it, it is important we understand that what we're saying. So today I want to look at four things that we must consider in regards to saying and praying in the name of Jesus. I want to look at authority, agreement, approach, and application. And I know that's really weird because I never do four-point sermons with the same letter. But anyway, I did. The first issue is authority. 
when we speak in the name of Jesus, if we really are speaking in the name of Jesus, we are fundamentally saying we are speaking on his behalf. We are saying we represent him. The core issue is one of authority, not the authority of the speaker, but the authority of the person who has vested you with their authority to speak on their behalf. The concept that Paul used of himself was of an ambassador for Christ. And this concept applies to to speaking in the name of Jesus and to praying for something in the name of Jesus. Ambassadors are important and they're powerful and not because of who they are, but because of who they represent. They are literally the representation of the sending entity or sending authority or country. If you strike the ambassador of a country, you're striking the country they represent. And when an ambassador says something like, we want to steal your land or we want to put tariffs or the king says such and such, they are speaking as the country they represent. The ambassador is also connected to the country that sent him. If a Frenchman stood up in New Delhi, India and said, I'm Spain's ambassador to India. Well, no one would believe him or take him seriously. Plus, he might not fare too well in Spain or India. The ambassador is connected to the sending country and is sent by that country with the authority of the sending country. If you recall, a a few weeks ago, we talked about the seven sons of Siva. These men saw the success Paul was having in liberating people possessed by demons by praying in the name of Jesus. So they decided to do the same thing, using the same words Paul was using, gravely misunderstanding, as I fear too many professing Christians today also do. They misunderstood that speaking in the name of Jesus was somehow employing a magic formula rather than actually representing Jesus and speaking on his behalf. And it didn't work out too well for them. The the demon knew they were not followers of Jesus, knew they were not connected to Jesus, knew that they had not been sent by Jesus, and they didn't have the authority to speak for Jesus, and the imposters got beat up. The issue was that these guys had not been vested with the authority to speak in Jesus' name because they did not believe in Jesus. And candidly, they were also trying to assert and maintain authority over the situation and over the demon. They They were more interested in being in control than in representing the one in whose name they were speaking. And this is really important. When we, when we say or when we're speaking in someone's name, it's absolutely essential that that someone has given us the authority to speak that in their name, to speak in their name, which we, we should know that we who are true believers in Jesus Christ have been given by Jesus the authority to speak in his name. However, 
there is a caveat. And it's a very big one, a caveat to our authority to speak in the name of Jesus. And that is that the expectation of the speaker will only speak what is consistent with what the person who gave them that authority wants. A good ambassador and one who will not be recalled or accused of treason is one who knows that fundamentally what they want as an individual really does not matter. And and this brings us to the second A, to agreement. Specifically, when we pray or speak in the name of Jesus, we are to be in agreement with the will of God. The ambassador, continuing with that analogy, might want plan A. But if the country wants plan B, the ambassador only speaks plan B as if it's their own desire and their own will. When it comes down to it, what the ambassador wants really does not matter. It's wonderful to the ambassador if what the country wants is what he wants. That's great. But what he wants really should not figure into the equation. What the sender wants is what matters. When we are praying in the name of Jesus, what Jesus wants, not what we want, is what matters. Do you remember when Jesus was in the garden and he prayed, but not my will, but your will? That is... That is the mindset of one who is sent with the authority and who is in agreement with that authority of the person who sent him. Or do you remember the story of Naaman, the the Syrian general who had leprosy? And after his Hebrew slave told him that there was a prophet of Yahweh in Israel named Elisha who could make his leprosy go away, this general got permission from his king to go to the enemy king of Israel and meet with Elisha, the prophet. Well, that's a great story of faith, and it's worth rereading. But, well, after Yahweh healed Elisha, Naaman offered a huge gift to Elisha for making him better. Elisha refused for a whole bunch of reasons, but primarily among them was that he knew he didn't make him better, and it was for the glory of God. After the Syrian general had started home, one of Elisha's assistants went running after him and pretending to speak for Elisha, got the general to give him some of the stuff that Elisha had refused, which the assistant then kept for himself. That was not a good move. (laughs) And he ends up getting cursed with leprosy. Speaking in someone's name, but not consistent with the will of the one who you're representing is not a good idea. And it will have and can have very serious consequences. Our second text that we read this morning is helpful in this regard because it gives us an example of doing it right and a litmus test to tell. Let me read it again. It's John uh, seven sixteen to 18. So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone will do God's will, 
he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. And here's the test. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and there is no falsehood. Jesus was doing it right. He had been sent by the Father, and he was delivering the message and teachings of the Father. Nothing else. And the litmus test in verse 18 is basically saying, if, if you are seeking your own glory or well-being, you are speaking for yourself. If you are seeking the glory or well-being or will of the one who sent you, then you're true. To be brutally honest, I, I have to ask, how frequently do we ask for things using in the name of Jesus because we want them? And, and we really do not know if it is the will of our Lord. I, I know we might assume it is what Jesus would want, but are we certain? Those who speak in someone's name, like an ambassador, also don't say something is definite unless it's definite. They might say, hmm, I'll look into that, or interesting. But a faithful ambassador will never speak definitely about something that is not definitely the will of the sending entity. And they will only speak what is within the bounds, while they're speaking in the person's name, they will only speak what is within the bounds of what they are authorized to speak. And, you know, what they've been told is within the bounds of what they're authorized to speak. And, and again, the question is, is that how we speak and pray when we say the name of Jesus? If we are going to pray or ask for something in the name of Jesus, we need to be absolutely positive it's the will of God. And, and if not, we also should be saying, if it is the will of the Father, may this happen. Or, this is what I want, Heavenly Father, but I want your will more. Or, Lord, please grant this request, if it is according to your will. The next issue is approach. The, the issue here is, when, when we are asking or praying for something in the name of Jesus, our disposition matters. The first thing to understand is that God is God, and He is Almighty God, Lord of Lords, holy and perfect, and to be feared and worshipped. And here's the thing. If we approach this God in the name of Jesus the one who has redeemed us, we can do so with absolute confidence and boldness because of what he did that allows us to approach in the perfect righteousness of Christ. That's amazing. However, if we approach on our own merits, we will arrogantly be approaching the holy God who will not tolerate sin, 
we will be approaching so covered in sin, that's all, who we, all, all that we are. When we ask something of the Father or say something in the name of Jesus, we should never forget to whom we are talking or the basis of our ability to speak to God at all. Our approach should be in humility and in reverence. We, we also need to remember we're not asking something of a, a genie or a vending machine. He is God, almighty God. And, he, and we are praying to God. And, and if we're speaking in his name, it just requires that we remember this. We also should remember that while we are approaching the all-powerful Lord of the universe who is perfect in every way, who cannot tolerate and will not tolerate sin, he also calls us, tells us to call him Father or Abba. And that is amazing. And while Abba does not mean daddy, uh, through though this idea has, has been popularized since the 70s, it originated with a German theologian um, who, who later modified his position. Uh, it does mean father, carrying with it a sense of dignity and reverence with intimacy of a father to a child beyond anything a baby could mean by dada. And, and if you stop to think about that, God Almighty... God of all that is, God telling us, basically bags of water who are absolutely helpless without him letting us breathe, beyond minuscule before him, telling us to call him Father. Making us his very own beloved child. That's, that, that's beyond enough. I mean, that, that, that's, that is amazing. When we ask something in the name of Jesus, we are asking Almighty God, our dear and loving and intimate Father, not in our name or on our merits, but in the complete and perfect righteousness of Jesus in whom we believe. That's so important. And there's power in that. Do you remember the, the prayer Jesus taught us when he said we are to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done? Can you hear that in that approach? It is to our Father who is holy and to be hallowed and praised and honored. And it is his kingdom and his rule that we want, his will. Can you hear the approach? That's how he taught us to pray. That's the approach in praying in the name of Jesus. Now, now to the application. And this is really where the rubber meets the road. Since I was 12 or 13... I have believed that if I asked a mountain to move in faith, the mountain would move. 
When Jesus said that, I believed him. And, you know, I still do. Fortunately, the Lord also made me aware of something else. Namely, the issue that such a request needed to be consistent with the will of God. So far, I I haven't moved any mountains. (laughs) And I haven't asked either. We, We cannot forget the caveat that praying in the name of Jesus means being consistent with the will of God. And while there are many things we know are absolutely the will of God, the truth is that that His ways are not our ways. And like it or not, His ways do not always make sense to me or line up with other things that He said to me. For instance, think of all of the verses that say or imply that God desires all people to be saved. My parents are not saved. Since it is God's desire that all people be saved, then if I pray that they will be saved, doesn't that mean they will be? Well, there there are other considerations. The first one is, I do not know everything. He does. I also must remember that there are things that God cannot do. And, and, and this statement might sound like heresy, but it's not. For instance, God cannot be evil. God cannot lie. God cannot sin. And none of this is an indication that he is less than omnipotent. It, it, it's actually proof that he is. We cannot help but lie. We cannot help but sin. We are powerless over evil. He is not. Who is more powerful? We need to understand that there are things God cannot do. And if, if, you're, if that phraseology still bothers you, that God will not do. And Jesus demonstrated this. When Jesus asked the Father to remove the cup, If there were any other way, he was talking about going to the cross. The father didn't remove the cup because there was no other way. It was not possible for God to redeem the world and receive the glory he deserved without Jesus going to the cross. He could not do it any other way. When it comes to prayers like, save my parents, I I simply don't know all the factors. He does, and he is good. And since I don't, and since I have not heard a voice from heaven saying, this is Jesus, I want you to pray in my name that your parents be saved, I cannot, in, in good measure, actually say I have the authority to ask that In the name of Jesus. I cannot say with confidence that is the will of God. It might be. Oh, I hope it is. But it might not be. He is God. I am not. His ways are different than my ways, and I don't always understand them. But what I can pray 
is that God would receive the glory, and with absolute confidence, that God would receive the glory that is due in my parents' acceptance of him or rejection of him. I can pray that he will, um, he will touch my parents and stir their conscience. I can pray for his will regarding my parents. I, I can, in the name of Jesus, approach my heavenly Father's throne and make my petition known to my dear and intimate Father in heaven. However, I cannot say, in the name of Jesus, overrule my parents' free will, something he gave them. I cannot say, ignore their sinful choices, ignore their rebellion. I cannot tell him to do, and I should not ask him to do, something that is not consistent with his will. And I don't know what it is regarding my parents. He does. And he is good. Or, or when it comes to sickness, I mean, this gets even harder because of all of the goofball and erroneous teachings and garbage circulating on this subject, usually based on an erroneous understanding of the scriptures, that guarantees healing if someone prays using the name of Jesus, kind of like the magic formula. What, what makes such things foolishness is that too many presume to know the will of God when they, in essence, are demanding that, in the name of Jesus, that person be healed. What, what if it is God's will that, that he be glorified in that person's life as he endures the suffering in this life in anticipation of all eternity? What if that person's suffering is necessary to get them to the point of true repentance and dependence of God? What if God is going to use their witness in their sickness for his glory? What if God is planning to heal them later on, but not at your command? What, what if their death, like that of my wife Ruth, was to be used to bear witness to the hope that is in Christ that so many of the people that surrounded her at her death needed to see? Can, can you see the presumption and the potential error in asking that someone be healed in the name of Jesus? We should be praying, whether it is for a loved one's salvation or for someone to get well or for a new job, we should be praying that God will use that situation or illness or healing or not healing for his glory and for the furtherance of his kingdom in the life of the individual and anyone who might be impacted by what happens or doesn't happen. We should be praying for God's will to be done, not for what I want to be done, not what I think is best, not what makes the most sense to me, what God's will. We should be praying that God's will would be done. And with absolute confidence, we can pray or ask for this with the authority of Jesus' name. Please understand, I don't want to discourage anyone from praying for the well-being of anyone they love. But couch it with an honest desire for the Lord's will, not yours. 
God's will, not ours, is what matters. And expecting God to comply to comply with my will will lead to disappointment. In fact, many, and you maybe know people, who have walked away from Jesus because they or someone praying for them, misusing in the name of Jesus, have believed that when Jesus said, ask anything in my name and it will be done, what Jesus meant was ask anything you want instead of anything that is according to my will. The, the, the truth is, we also need to be aware of the wickedness and the deception that can hide in all of our hearts. And, the, and we, can, we can fool ourselves. And we need to admit that too frequently, when we think we are praying in the name of Jesus, we are actually praying in our name and according to our will. And it requires that we be honest. Remember, it's a serious thing to represent somebody. There is power in the name of Jesus, in in who he is and what he has done. And we who believe in him are authorized to pray for things and do things in his name. But when we do, we truly need to keep in mind that our authority is delegated from the one who has all authority. That when we speak in the name of Jesus or for him, We need to only speak those things that are His will and not our will. And we need to approach our loving, all-powerful, holy Father who lets us call Him Father in the name of Jesus. We need to approach Him with humility and respect, never forgetting who He is and who we are. And finally, we need to, to pray for things in the name of Jesus, because we're all authorized to do that, in the name of Jesus with this in mind. And then we need to trust Him, for He is good, and He will answer our prayers. That is His promise. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege it is that You have given us this honor, this blessing, this ability to approach you in the name of your Son who died for us. And Father, it is our desire that your will be done. Guide us as we come before you in our prayer times. Help us to discern the difference between our will and your will and create a a yearning and a desire for nothing other than your will and your glory. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.